Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. I am going to miss that bumper video. Uh, I haven't seen some of you for a month. First week of this series, it's a four-week series. First week of this series, Pastor Brad preached while Nancy and I were in Virginia. Second week, we didn't have church because of the ice and snow. Last week, I hate to tell you this, well, I don't really hate to tell you this. Nancy and I were in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico for a conference. It was, yeah, and it's early 40th anniversary present to uh, each of us from each other. And uh, it was in the 80s every day, you know, in low 60s in the morning. It was tough. Somebody had to do it, right? Okay, so anyway, let's get back on track here, Chris. So the series, My Big Fat Mouth, has had an overarching verse that has held it together, and it's this. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, we talked about gossip. We talked about criticism. We talked about complaining so far, and all of those have bad consequences. But I think perhaps the one that might have the most death bringing consequences of all when we open up our big fat mouth is lying. Lying is something uh, we're going to see pretty soon. isn't really high on God's list of things. But in any case, um, today we're going to look first of all what it means to lie. It is the telling of lies or false statements, untruthfulness. Let me give you an example. Back in the fall, Nancy and I were talking about Christmas. And so she said to me, hey, Chris, how about this year we don't give each other any presents? So I said, sure. Now, when I said sure, I didn't mean sure, okay? I, I, I sort of meant, like, I don't want to really talk about it right now, so sure. You know what I mean? But the week before Christmas, Nancy knows me pretty well. We've been married almost 40 years. She said, so did you get me a Christmas present? And I couldn't lie to her. I said, yes. So was I lying to her when I said sure back in the fall? And I know some of you are trying to justify because one of you actually said to me, hey, I, already, I said the same thing, and I had already bought the present. You know, so, yes, you, you can try to justify, but I was lying. I was lying when I said, and it doesn't matter that it was a little white lie. It doesn't matter that it was, you know, my, my good intentions, because good intentions are lies. Anyway, I was lying. But before we talk about why I was lying, let's uh, talk about the take-home point for today. The take-home point, for those of you who are new or watching online for the first time, is the one point that I'm going to make in the message from Scripture, and, and then we hope to take it home, think about it, pray about it, and live it out in the week ahead. So here it is. Lying is natural. Telling the truth comes from knowing Jesus and the power of his forgiveness. Lying is natural, but telling the truth comes from knowing Jesus and the power of his forgiveness. So lying is as natural as well. It's as natural as opening up our big fat mouth. So I'm going to ask you a question. It's a little survey. So I want you to raise your hand if you have told a lie in the last 24 hours. If you've told a lie in the last 24 hours, raise your hand. Okay, I want you to keep your hand up, keep your hand up. Okay, if you don't have your hand up, I want you to look at the people who don't have their hand up, the ones who do, and say, you're probably lying. Okay, put your hand back down. I'm statistically telling you the truth because the average person lies four times a day. In fact, the University of Massachusetts, I love these studies that these universities do, but the University of Massachusetts did a study and found that 60% of people cannot meet a new person and have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least one time which is why today's message is only nine minutes long. (laughs) 
And I'm lying about that because, you know, last night, last night somebody came up to me after service and said, did anybody call you on the fact that you were lying when you said the message was only nine minutes? I was like, it's a joke. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> we, we all laugh because we know we all do it. And whether it's a little white lie or a big black lie, you know, whether it's, you know, in good intention, bad intention, lying is lying. And here's what God thinks about lying. It comes from the book of Proverbs also. King Solomon said this. He said, the Lord detests lying lips but he delights in those who tell the truth. Say that with me. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. The Hebrew word, therefore, detest, means something like disgusting, abhorrent, an abomination. It means something that makes one nauseous. So when we lie, whether it's a big lie, little lie, doesn't matter what size of lie, it makes God sick. That's how God responds to our lives. Now, if you think that's only the Old Testament God, you know, the Old Testament guy that is, is mean and everything, here's what God thinks about lying in the New Testament. And we can find that if you have your Bible and you want to turn to it, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 to 25. Paul the Apostle writes to a group of Christians. We need to know these are believers he's writing to. And he says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Notice he doesn't say don't lie. He says stop telling lies because you already are. So stop it. And then he says, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. So Paul makes this radical distinction between the old way of life filled with lust and deception and the new way of life where the Holy Spirit is filling us, which is righteous and holy. And he says, in this new way of life that we're going to be living, we have to stop telling lies. And notice what he says, tell each other the truth because you're part of the same family, you're part of the same body. So we need to tell each other the truth. Now, Craig Groeschel is the pastor of Life Church TV, and he actually is the one who came up with this uh, Big Fat Mouth series a number of years ago. And our youth pastor, Alex, uh, used it with the student ministries last year, and we thought it would be uh, good for all of us to go through these four things. But what Craig Groeschel said, and we've used some of his material, not, not a lot of it, but some of it. And so what he said about lying is this, that he heard a southern preacher say this one time, um, you may never be more like the devil than when you're telling lies. Now, wait a minute. It's a southern preacher, right? You may never be more like the devil than when you're telling lies. Okay? John, Jesus believed that. Jesus says this in John chapter 8, verse 44. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. Jesus was talking to the religious leaders of his day, the, you know, the church leaders of his day. He called them children of the devil, and then he described the devil. He said he was a murderer from the beginning. He, was always hated, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's why we may never be more like the devil than we're telling lies, right? It, it's his number one weapon is to lie. He prefers not to just bold-faced lie to us, but he prefers to deceive us. Deception is a lie that's couched in a little bit of truth. But as a good friend of mine says, almost right is still wrong. Almost right is still wrong. Jesus is the truth. He sets us free from bondage to lies, but the devil wants to keep us in bondage. He, wants, he hates us, and he wants us to be destroyed in our lives. So the devil has a three-part plan 
to keep us in bondage, to keep us from freedom. And so here's the first one. The devil's plan to steal our freedom. Number one, he gets you to lie. He gets me to lie. I exaggerate when I'm telling you a story to make myself look better. You cheat on a test. You tell your mom you went to your friend's house, but you really went somewhere else. I tell you about something bad about somebody that I don't really like because it's probably partly true anyway. And we exaggerate. It's in our old sinful nature. Even after we're saved, we still have that nature inside of us. And so it's easy for us to lie. And the devil wants us to get us to lie because he's a liar. His native language is lying. And if we're lying, then he's going to move us away from freedom. The truth brings freedom. And he's going to bring us into bondage. Now, I wish I could tell you that I never lie. But you already know that I do because I lied to my wife. Why would your pastor lie to his wife? Well, there's a couple reasons. Number one is I've been married to the lady for almost 40 years. I love her very much. And so I've been giving her Christmas presents for 44 years. I want to give her a Christmas present. So when she said, how about if we don't give each other a Christmas present, I should have just said no. I I, I can't say, I'm going to get you a Christmas present. Okay, look, I'll buy you one or two. You don't want to buy me one, that's okay. But she wasn't doing it because she didn't want to buy me a present. We have everything we need. So why are we buying a present? See, I'm already having this long discussion with you guys. Imagine how long it would have been with her. (laughs) So that's why your pastor lied. It's easier than telling the truth. So the devil's plan to steal our freedom is to get us to lie. The second step of the plan is to get us to lie to ourselves. He doesn't just want us to lie to other people. He wants us to lie to ourselves. Because, you know, once you tell a lie, what do you have to do? You have to double down and tell another lie to keep that lie going. And you have to tell another lie to keep that lie going. And pretty soon, you start to believe the lies. You start to say, well, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. I'm probably not lying here. You know, I'm I'm just maybe exaggerating. What? I can stop anytime I want to. I, I, I really can. You know, it's not my fault. Hey, I'm the victim here. Last night, I was sharing with the girls and Nancy about, uh, you know, something that happened on the trip. And I, we had pictures. We were looking at the pictures. And, and something happened. Well, I got told by the guy when I was snorkeling that I was not allowed to go where I was going. And I said, it was not my fault. <laughs> it sort of was. Okay, so, so anyway, but I, I even believed it wasn't my fault until I realized, oh, yeah, it sort of was my fault. And I had already preached the message last night. So... We do that. We, and, and, you know, we're not the only ones that do it. King David, the greatest king in the history of Israel, did it when he thought that he was above the law. One time, it was the spring, the time when the armies used to go out to war in those days, and King David is the king of the, of the Israelites, and so he's supposed to go out to war, but he doesn't. He sends Joab, his commander, out, and he stays at home. And one afternoon, he gets up from his nap, and he goes out on the balcony of his palace, and he looks down over the, uh, the, the, the city, and, and he sees this beautiful woman taking a bath on a roof. Now, I always wondered... What is that woman doing up there taking a bath on a roof anyway before I went to Israel? When I went to Israel this past fall, what I found out was that King David's palace truly was at the top of this big valley. And all the houses down below, he could see everything going on. Now, most of the houses had flat roofs. And they put their bathtubs up there. They put, you know, their, like what they used to wash clothes up there. There's a reason, because there was no room for it in the building. And if you're going to take a bath anywhere, wouldn't you think the roof would be a better place than like right outside your window? Because it's a little more private, right? Unless you're King David, then nothing's private to you. So he sees this beautiful woman. He sends a servant down. He says, bring her up. You know, she comes up. She says, King, I'm I'm married. He goes, well, that's okay. He commits adultery with her. He sends her back home. And then a little while later, she sends a messenger and says, hey, I'm pregnant. 
So now what's King David going to do? Because King David is, uh, we're told in Scripture, he is a man after God's own heart. Now, he's done a couple things bad already. So you'd think he'd straighten it out here, right? But he's going to start a series of lies to cover up his sin. And the first thing he does is he says, oh, I know what to do. Because her husband, Uriah, is a soldier. He's at the battlefront. So he sends Uriah this weekend pass to come home, to go home and be with his wife. And then, then, you know, later on, whenever it finds out that Bathsheba's pregnant, he'll think it's his kid. It's a plan. that It's a deceptive plan. It's a, filled with lies. But he thought it would work, but it didn't work. And here's why. Uriah comes home, and David tells him the plan, and, and Uriah doesn't say anything, but he goes outside of the palace, and he sleeps outside on the floor, on the ground with the servants. And the next day, David comes out and goes, what are you doing here? And he says, well, you know, my, my fellow soldiers are at the front. I could not go home and have a good time with my wife. So David says, oh, I got, a, I got an idea. Let's get, you, let's get drunk. So they get drunk, and even drunk, Uriah is still an honorable man, and so he won't go home. He sleeps outside, and this happens a couple of times, and so finally David realizes this plan isn't going to work. I've got to come up with a better plan. So he writes a note to Joab, the commander. He gives it to Uriah. He says, take this back to the commander. And when, Uriah, or when Joab opens up the note, it says, put Uriah on the front line of the fighting and then have everybody else pull back so he'll get killed. So David, the, God after man, the man after God's own heart, He's been lying and lying and lying and lying, and now he commits murder. So he thinks he got away with it. But Nathan the prophet comes to him and says, King, I have a story for you. There's this rich man, very rich man. He has so much property. He has all these animals, hundreds and hundreds of animals, all the wealth you could imagine. And right next door to him lives this little poor guy. He doesn't have much of anything, has a couple kids. He has this little ewe lamb, a female lamb, and, you know, the kids love the lamb. And this guy, he loves his little lamb so much, he even holds it, you know, at night. And so one day, this guest comes to visit the rich man. And so what the rich man does is he takes this little lamb from this guy that only has one little lamb. He kills it and eats it for dinner. King David, man, he is angry. His ear, you know, there's smoke coming out of his ears. And he goes, I tell you the truth, that man should die. And Nathan pauses, and he says, Ata ish. In Hebrew, you are the man. Now, some of you are sitting here right now, and the Holy Spirit is saying to you, Ata ish. You are the man. Ata isha. You are the woman. You've been lying to yourself, maybe not so drastically as King David, but there's something going on in your life, and you've been lying to yourself because the devil wants that to happen in all of our lives. He has a plan, the plan to destroy us, and the plan starts with lying to others, and then it's lying to ourselves and getting ourselves to believe the lies. And then what happens next? The third thing is he gets you to live a lie. He gets us to lie, he gets us to lie to ourselves, and then he gets us to live a lie. We have an appearance of one thing on the outside, but on the inside we're something totally different. On the outside we look like Mr. Christian and we come to church and we do everything that, you know, the church guy does. And then in, in the secret of our lives, you know, you're a raging porn addict. Or maybe it's Instagram. You know, on Instagram, you have the, the best vacation pictures and you have the best clothes pictures. And it seems like you're having a wonderful life. But inside, you're, you're depressed and, and you don't even know why you're alive. Or maybe you're the Pinterest mom. You know, you, you have these pictures on Pinterest and, and everything looks perfect. 
in your house and you have those recipes for the best food and, and everybody thinks your life's all together, but inside you just you feel like life is meaningless and, and you don't even know why you're here. Or maybe you're that couple in small group and, and everything looks wonderful and everybody else thinks you're the ideal couple and then you go home and sleep in separate beds. And now some of you are feeling really uncomfortable right now and we need to feel really uncomfortable at times because the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to say, Ata Ish, Ata Isha. Believe me, none of us has all the spots on our dominoes. We all lie, even if we didn't raise our hand. We all lie to ourselves. There are times in our lives when we aren't doing the things that God wants us to do. Ultimately, the devil being a liar, he wants us to speak his native language of lies because he knows if he can keep us in a lie, the lie, living a lie, then we will be in bondage and we will never get to live in the truth and the freedom that Jesus Christ brings. And I've been a pastor for almost 35 years now. And something, you know, if anything keeps me awake at night, this is it. It's the idea that, that some of you come here and you think you're a Christian and you're really not. You're deceived in your own mind and you, you appear like you're a Christian, but you're, you're not. And the reason that keeps me awake at night is because I know that the devil wants to do that. And, and maybe you come to church every now and then and you're not a Buddhist or you're not a Muslim, so you must be a Christian. And the, the society we live in, you know, it says, well, you know, if there's a God, you know, I'm a basically good person. And if there is a God and he's love, then he should be pleased with how I'm living my life. Well, God is love. That's why he sent Jesus to the earth. That's why he sent Jesus to the earth to help us to know him personally, to overcome the lying ways of our nature. It's part of our nature and to receive the forgiveness that only God gives. And so here's the thing. If there's little evidence in our lives Little fruit is what Jesus called it in our lives that demonstrate that we're actually following Jesus. Maybe we're not. And this is what John the Apostle said in the first letter that he wrote to the church at large. He said, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Please hear me. We are saved by grace. God's grace alone, not by what we do. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. We cannot pay the penalty for our sins. But what John was saying is, if we don't obey God in our lives, it's a lie to say that we're living in his truth. John knew the transformation that had happened in his life. He knew what it was to be born again. He knew what it was to live this new life that's truly life. And he knew what his old life was like. And so what he was saying to people around him was, if you say you know God, that you're you know, following Jesus but there's no evidence that people could find in your everyday life, then you're just telling a lie. Now, here's the thing. I have officially been a Christian. It'll, in June, it will be 50 years that I trusted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. 50 years. I don't even remember a time when I didn't at least acknowledge that there was a God who had a son named Jesus who lived and died and rose again. I, I've believed that since I believed anything. And yet, in those 50 years, there have been times... When I've lied, I lied to my wife. There have been times when I've lied to myself. And there have been times, chunks of time, when I looked like I was one thing, but I was something else. And that's what the devil wants to do in our lives. He wants to take away our freedom by that simple plan. So Jesus came and lived a perfect life. 
so that we could have a new life. And here's the question I want to ask this morning. Why do people lie? I mean, it's in our nature, but Nancy lies for a different reason than I lie. If Nancy lies to you, it's only going to be for one reason, because she doesn't want to hurt your feelings. She cares about you so much that she would never tell you a lie. To, because, I mean, she would tell you a lie to, to not hurt your feelings. No, I, I'm not like Nancy. I will tell you a lie to make me look good. Because I don't really care about your feelings. I care that you like me and that you want me to, you know, that you want to think well of me. So why do you lie? Because if we could get the root of why we lie, then maybe the truth could come in and set us free. And here's the root reason that most of us lie. It's because we don't trust God completely. We lie because we don't trust God completely. We think that a lie is going to work better than the truth. And when we know that God wants us to say the truth. But for instance, you know, I do something wrong and so I tell a lie so I won't get in trouble. But look what happened to David when he did something wrong and he told a lie so he wouldn't get in trouble. He kept telling a lie and another lie, another lie, another lie. He just kept adding up. But when we add up the truth, the truth never gets us in that kind of trouble. I mean, the truth does get us in trouble. I learned early on in Clyde Marshall's household, which is my dad, that the truth was better than a lie. Because it didn't hurt quite as bad when you told the truth as it did when you told a lie. Now, I'm not saying that's the way people should do things, but I'm saying sometimes the, the truth can hurt too. The second thing is, in our lives, when we tell a lie, we do it so people will like us. We think, if I told you the truth and you really knew who I was, you wouldn't like me. But a relationship built on lies is not a good relationship. Or, or this is what I do sometimes. I tell, the tr- I tell a lie to avoid conflict. When I said, when Nancy said, you know, let's not buy Christmas friends for each other, I said, sure. What did I do? I avoided conflict. But here's the thing. The best relationships happen on the other side of working through genuine conflict. Because when we do that, our lives are based on the truth. And the truth is always the better thing. So, Jesus, the truth. We, we know that truth is, is a reality, but it's also a person. And Jesus, the truth, said this. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So lies bring bondage. And the truth brings freedom. Jesus wants us to walk in the truth. He wants us to experience the truth. And he says that when we do that, ultimately, we'll be set free. So the devil has a three-point plan to keep us in bondage, right? And that three-point plan is to lie, for us to lie to others, for us to lie to ourselves, and then to live a lie. But God also has a plan, a plan to set us free. It's simple, and it's powerful. And here's God's plan for freedom. Number one, we confess to God for forgiveness. And number two, we confess to people for healing. Jesus knew the powerful role that confession plays in our lives. Confession to God for forgiveness. Confession to people for freedom and healing in our daily lives. So, John wrote this in his first letter. He knew how we tend to not do things right and how we claim that we are right. And so this is what he wrote. He said, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. What John was basically saying was we're all sinners. None of us have all the spots on our dominoes. We all have some issues. And so when we say we don't have issues, that's when we really have issues. But then he said, here's the good news. The good news is, but if we confess our sins to him... To God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Don't you love that? When we come clean to God, what happens is he forgives us. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for those sins already. And so when we just say we did it, we're forgiven. 
Now that is a wonderful thing to have confession bring forgiveness in our lives, but it's only half of the process of freedom that God has planned for us. And, and the thing is, it's the only part of the process most people use. Most people I know will have said to me over time, you know, I, I've asked God for forgiveness, but I, I, I don't feel forgiven. I, I still feel like I need to confess it again, or I still, still feel like it's hanging on to me. It's, it's still there in my life. And, and, and so I used to feel that way too until I realized that there's a solution to that in the Bible. In the book of James, James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote these words. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So we confess our sins to God and he forgives us. But then he says to confess our sins to each other so we may be healed. That's why we have small groups here. That's why we live life in community here. Because it's in that small group community where we can have authentic confession and, and, and be forgiven. Now, I have an accountability partner. Many of you know that. His name's Bill Gebhardt. He's been my accountability partner for 25 years. Bill knows everything about me. Really, he does. And the things that I will never tell you, I have told him. Now, here's why I will never tell you some of those things, because you'll be irresponsible with them. But he won't, because he's been in relationship with me for 25 years. First couple of years, we told each other little things. But a couple weeks ago, I told him I was going to be preaching this message about lying. And he looked me square in the eye and he said, so, Chris, when do you lie to me? That's a hard question, isn't it? But he has the right to ask that question after 25 years. And what I said is, I usually lie to you whenever you ask me how things are going and I tell you they're going better than they are. And he goes, I see that. Well, of course he sees it. He's been in relationship with me where we've done this for 25 years. And, you know, what happens is, you know, when we've done something wrong and we get together every, every Wednesday. Now, it used to be every Tuesday, but we get together every Wednesday. If, it's done some, if I've done something wrong, the first thing I do is say, hey, Bill, i got to tell you this. Because I want to get it out, right? I want to get it over with. Because we're only as sick as our secrets. And if we don't have secrets, we feel healthy. And so what happens is I tell him, and then we get on to talking about the victories we had. And that's the cool part of an accountability partner. And the thing is, if you have a, a husband or a wife, that person should be the first person where you develop that relationship where you can confess each other your sins and have healing. I have found that an accountability partner who's a guy understands things that my wife will never understand. Now, I, somebody laugh because you, you understand, right? Okay, I know what our culture says. Men and women are the same. I almost said a bad word there. Um, <laughs> that's baloney, Right? Men and women are not the same. I've been married to one for almost 40 years, and I still don't get it sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So, so anyway, I, when I want to understand what's going on, I ask Bill, does Margaret do this? He'll go, yeah. Do you know why she does that? No, I don't have a clue. <laughs> I don't either. But we, so anyway, that's a little bit more. That's another sermon for another day. But the, for today's message, the point is a lot of you, I know this for a fact, a lot of you are carrying lies. And you're lying to yourself, and you're maybe even living a lie, and it's a burden that nobody's supposed to carry. Then it feels terrible. I know what it feels like. But how would it feel if you woke up every day, and you had no secrets, and yet that burden was gone? You would feel better. I mean, I know you feel better because I've experienced it through that relationship with Nancy first and the relationship I have with Bill. And in small groups to a, to a lesser degree for me. But for some of you, the small group will be the place where that happens. But it's always going to be one person, one other person, you know, or it's going to be a small group of people that you can do life with and you can be forgiven by God for your sins and be healed of the residual stuff by that relationship.
So, the devil wants you to lie, which leads to bondage. Jesus wants you to experience truth, which leads to freedom. And when we know the truth, it truly does set us free. And so here's the next step for today. It's a hard one, but it's, it's a powerful one. And for those of you who are new, the next step is the thing we're going to do about having been here because it's good to sit together and hear truth and laugh together. But if we go home and don't do anything about this, the devil wins once again. And I'm done with the devil winning. I just can't stand it. So anyway, it says, I will confess my sins to God for forgiveness and to someone else to receive healing this week. Let's pray. Father, by your Holy Spirit's power, unleash truth into our souls that we will have courage to confess and admit when we've lied, when we've sinned, when we've strayed from you. God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that one step beyond your forgiveness, we find healing in your family as we confess to one another. I can't wait to see, God, what you're going to do this week through small groups, through accountability partners, through marriages, as true and appropriate confession happens in the right context. God, bring healing because of your grace. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is working. We thank you the truth sets us free. We pray every time we are tempted to tell a lie, to exaggerate, to tell the story in a way that makes us look better and makes us feel better, that we would pause and remember we will not speak our enemy's language. We want truth, God. Lead us in your truth. Renew our minds with your truth. Help us walk in your truth. Help us to represent your truth. God, empower us to live in the victory that only comes from your forgiveness and the healing we receive when we confess to one another. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.